Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. And with me today, as always, is Ramin Forgani, the producer and moderator of the podcast. Ramin, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, Kyle. One week closer to region tournaments in the state tournament. How are you doing today, Kyle? Oh, it's it, it's um you know I'm hanging in there. Last week was a a very busy week. I think it ended up at four or five games. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll touch on that very quickly. But I was all over the state. I had my four hour trip down south. Came back home. Got home at three a.m. So don't don't ever say I'm I don't I don't put on for the little people down south. But very excited for the region tournaments to be here. This is our final week of regular season play. And next week, the real madness starts. It is going to be crazy, and everything you thought you knew, you could probably just throw it out of the window when it's a, a one-and-done situation. Win or go home, so I am very excited for it. We will get back to touching on the region tournaments at the end of the podcast, but first, we would like to thank our sponsor, Spoil Space. Yes, we'd like to thank our Spielin' and Dealin' podcast sponsor, Sportal Space. Sportal Space helps teams find gyms and fields for practice or training and makes booking a gym as easy as finding a restaurant on Open Table or a hotel on Expedia. Check out Sportal Space every practice, every game. Kyle, we touched on it, or you touched on it earlier. You had a very busy week. We started it in last week's podcast. We talked about your Monday and Tuesday games, getting out to Elbert and Banks County. But on Wednesday, so you got to the game after we recorded the podcast, so obviously you couldn't talk about it, but you made it out to Sequoia versus River Ridge, the girls' game. What did you see there? Oh, boy. I saw probably the the best player in Cherokee County, best long-term player in Cherokee County. And, uh... A really high ceiling player at that a transfer that came in from Collins Hill just a sophomore Savannah Samuel about six foot tall a wing player that can pretty much play all over the place just because she's all arms and legs I saw her take over against Sequoia for River Ridge River Ridge won this one 54 248 after they started off down eight nothing it looked like Sequoia was about to run them out of the gym but then coach Jason Taylor really got into his players and uh, let them know we did not we did not come to the War Lodge to take a fat loss like this very important game in Region 6 class 6A Savannah Samuel she was outstanding scored 23 of River Ridge's 29 second half points and to be honest with you she pretty much had every single basket except uh maybe one the rest of those those points for uh, river ridge were coming you know late in the game when they had to start fouling she was outstanding so dominant uh finished with 30 points nine rebounds one block she was just too big with her her length inside grabbing all these rebounds over smaller defenders they couldn't keep her off the glass she always had the ball in her hands and she does a very good job of catching the ball on the wing at that six foot six foot one uh size very good size as a sophomore needs to put on some more muscle but uh she's a young one so that's plenty of time to do that but she gets the ball she attacks the basket she can get into the lane she finishes very well through contact and uh, i guess that kind of shows you uh the glaring difference between gwinnett county and cherokee county 
and she could have been a, a very good player in Gwinnett County, but she probably would have been overshadowed over there at Collinsville with the rest of those Division One recruits, and she might not have been seeing the floor too much until maybe her junior or senior year, but she comes over to Riv- River Ridge, automatically one of the best athletes in the county, and I think she really has a chance to become one of the best players in the past decade in Cherokee County, a, uh, a girls' county that has a long, rich tradition and very talented players going on to play at very high levels. But Savannah Samuel, uh, she is she's something else. She's very good. She needs to polish up her game a little bit here and there, but she's still averaging about 21 points and six rebounds per game. She is going to be a force over the next two seasons. But right now, as a super sophomore, she has really changed that River Ridge program and has them competing at a very high level after we thought they might take a little bit of a step back after a pretty good season last year. But she's got them right in the thick of things in Region 6. On Thursday of last week, we are recording on Thursday morning today, but on Thursday of last week, you went to Hiram versus Villa Rica. Well, 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 Ramin, uh... It's not to beat a dead horse, but we kind of talked about uh, Villarica and Maynard Jackson both just having atrocious uh, non-region schedules. To be fair, Maynard Jackson's non-region schedule was a little bit better, not too much better than uh, Villarica, uh, Villarica, but Villarica just did not challenge themselves at all. 49-79, and 79, we said, was a combined record of the teams they played. Just didn't play anybody good. And I go to Hiram, and I feel like I'm the Grim Reaper sitting there in the stands. And Villarica loses their first game of the season, 63-57. to Hiram, uh, I was actually glad to check them out. I didn't know what to really expect. I saw they had a six foot eight post player, and then I talked to some uh, you know, coaches that have coached against him. I said, yeah, he's, he's not that bad. Nathan Presnell, the quarterback on the football team, six foot eight junior, He's he's not bad. He's got a little bit of footwork in the paint. Looks like he knows what he's doing. Was eight of ten from the foul line, so had a pretty nice stroke. Um, pretty good athlete. Could get it off the glass. We saw a, a putback dunk. You could read about all these games we're recapping right now. You could read about them on SandySpill.com. But present elephants with sixteen points, ten rebounds, two assists, two steals, one block. So in, in Georgia, a very uh, height-starved state. Um, hard to come by division one talent that has that that true size at six foot seven six foot eight real post presence uh, presnell is someone to really keep an eye on he was very uh very good and i feel like if he focused more on basketball i'm pretty sure football is probably his first sport and he's split time he's not 100 percent basketball but if he chose to chose to really focus on basketball and got in the gym with the true uh post guru uh i'm free on mondays through friday so just let me know but I, I feel like he's got the frame he's got some skills to go along with it i think he could be someone that could play himself onto some division one radars and they had a really good i think it was a sophomore yeah sophomore arshard Krepsak. uh he was really smooth hit a ton of threes a lefty for hiram he had 18 points to really lead the charge he needs to do a better job of getting to the rim but he had a nice stroke and really provided that upset for the Hiram Hornets. And if you're looking at Villarica, Javante Hart, uh, I, I looked at him just in, even in the first half. He only had about two points in the first half, but I said, this guy looks like a player. He looks like he's probably their their, their best point guard, their best score. And uh, he really turned it on in the second half, tried to will his team to victory, uh, had 15 points, six rebounds, six assists, three steals, and two blocks. But Villarica, not enough to stay undefeated. And if we want to switch over really, 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 really quick 
to just mention Maynard Jackson, who Maynard Jackson was giving me hell uh, a lot this year for dropping them in the polls. I said, well, they haven't played too many great basketball teams, uh, and they had an opportunity to prove themselves. Riverwood, who's been a, been a thorn in everybody's side in that region lately, but Riverwood, a little bit of a rebuilding year, but Maynard Jackson goes to Riverwood, and Buck Jenkins pulls one out 77-69. to 69. So Maynard Jackson, again, even talking to other coaches, you know, they had that great record, but are they as dominant as a 21-2 and two team would be if they were in a Region 5 or a, a Region 4 or anything like that? Not necessarily. So they had a loss, 21-2, and two, a great sparkling record. A good team that I think their ceiling is probably the Elite 8, uh, just depending on the draw. But they lost to Riverwood, and then they, they kind of struggled to put away Decatur 51-42. to 42. So Maynard Jackson exits the pole on saturday you made that long trip down you alluded to tift county versus coffee yeah i was uh, that was another very very long trip you're right about that ramin uh kind of came out of nowhere uh four hours down south it's not the not the easiest trip especially when i decided to uh it was either fight or flight try and find somewhere to stay in in coffee county or not and instead, I just decided to drive four hours back home, got home at 3 a.m. It was quite a long trip, but we witnessed some good basketball there. Number 10, Coffee. it was their senior night, but they got beat by Tiff County, who, like we said, Ramin, in the beginning of the season, uh, Tiff County is going to probably not find themselves in the top 10, uh, but they're going to accumulate a really good record. And that's exactly what they've been doing. They've been handling their business. Uh, to no surprise, down there, down south, they're still one of the toughest teams. Right now, they're sitting at 19 and six. So we said they'd win about 20 games and uh, you know do what they do, but not enough for Tiff County to really crack Class 7A, the top 10. Uh, they were missing their football players, uh, Rashad Bateman, who's a, a really big piece. But we saw what they did earlier in the season. They lost to Meadow Creek, 70 to 46. Now they lost to Thomasville by eight points. Um, they, they 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 they've taken a couple losses here and there when they went up uh, went up north to play some of those metro teams. Lost to Newton by twenty two points. So and uh, they did beat Maynard Jackson sixty six to forty seven, which is their their largest win of the year was against the great Maynard Jackson. They blew them out by nineteen points. But uh, a good team, a team you're not going to want to see play. And the uh, Class 7A, you're not going to want to play against them because they're just going to be stingy. But they pulled one out, uh, a nice win. Uh, Monte Terrell, he's only about 5'9", 5'10", a senior guard. But if you're a junior college team or you're just one of those, um, you know, Division II level maybe, he's tough as nails. He was hitting threes, finished with 22 points, eight rebounds, six assists, had two blocks and a steal. He's a really good senior guard. And, if we end up reshuffling our uh, 2018 player rankings at the end of the season, don't be surprised to see him listed as a top 20 point guard in the state of Georgia because he does a lot with his small frame. Uh, he is very important for Coach Wade's team down there. And then you're looking at uh, Marquavius Johnson, the junior, another guy who's only about 5'10", 5'11". He had 19 points. And Rashad Bateman, who's going to Minnesota to play Wide receiver finished with 12 points and nine rebounds. But Coffee, even in the loss, I was very impressed with them. They they have the athletes, they have the size. Uh, that's just a minor setback. Before that, they won about eight or nine games in a row. Uh, Mackenzie McFadden 
Put that name in your uh, in your consciousness there. He had 18 points, 13 rebounds, three assists, five blocks, a six-seven lefty big man. Uh, did a nice job of posting up. Pretty good athlete out there as well. Just someone to keep an eye out for again talking about this starved state of georgia not a lot of true post presences mackenzie mcfadden so i'm going to keep a name uh keep a name in your back of your mind uh and uh they're they're all state guard jace moore another junior uh six foot four very physical very physical junior but tiff county did a great job of shutting him down he averages about 19 points and 13 rebounds so he's all over the court but they shut him down had nine points nine rebounds and four assists but i really like coffee i think if they can get out of their first round matchup with those coastal teams like a bradwell institute brunswick i think that's who they're matched up against glenn academy teams like that if they can get out of that uh kind of a tough first round draw i think coffee can be very dangerous just because if jace moore gets hot and he does what he wants to do they do have dalron donaldson a 6'5 great athlete and then mckenzie mcfadden and the jefferson twins as well uh there's a lot to like at coffee county down south and finally yesterday wednesday the uh, 31st of january you're at cedar grove versus pace doing a little broadcasting what did you see there kyle well you know what i saw what i figured i'd see cedar grove better than pace academy number five in the state for a reason they they handled the game sometimes cedar grove does play down to competition and they were they extended the lead to uh 43 to 25 in the fourth quarter and we were thinking okay it's time to to really put them away this is senior night for cedar grove they're gonna roll to victory but instead once pace took out yale signee uh isaiah kelly pace started scrapping back paces you know you look at them they're not too much a lot of freshman guards out there they had a ton of turnovers cedar grove at one point forced 15 turnovers with you know 15 steals and pace had only forced uh three steals on their side so they they really got after him and exploited pace's young guards but isaiah kelly when they took him out of the game we thought that was a white flag but pace came back very scrappy cole middleton i thought he showed a lot of promise inside he's about six five big physical uh looks like a football player out there had seven points four rebounds and three blocks but no one can create their own shot no consistent offense for pace outside of isaiah kelly and when they're not making threes uh they're just not they just don't have enough firepower and isaiah kelly again the maddening thing about him he looks like he should be a stud player he looks like it he had nine points and nine or nine points and eight rebounds in the first half but he's a ghost in the second half, completely disappears. One point second half, finishes with 10 points and 10 rebounds. And guess who does it again? It's Jamari Dean who just outplays him slowly but surely. 15 points, nine rebounds, two steals, and two blocks in front of Drexel. So again, Jamari Dean, just he's just better than Isaiah Kelly. And Isaiah Kelly had an Xavier offer. He had some big offers, but talk about just flatlining he doesn't have wendell carter to you know have all the attention on him and then isaiah can do what he does as the uh you know as robin instead of batman i mean he did have 40 points and 16 rebounds against radan the night before he exploded had the game of his life but they still only managed to beat radan who's really struggled this year 72 to 62 uh but against a uh, high level competition like cedar grove isaiah kelly um just I don't know. He just disappears at times. He did it in the state championship last year. If he could somehow finally bring it all together, he could be such a really, really, really good player. You see flashes of it, but 
not last night, Jamari Dean got the best of him again, 51 to 40. Uh, Cedar Grove took care of pace on senior night for the Cedar Grove Saints. Uh, Kashawn Bird really started off hot for Cedar Grove, had 13 points. He looked good. And another guy, a junior, 6'5 wing. He's got the tangibles. I don't know if the intangibles are there just yet. He's got to polish his game off. But Canaris Cummings, 6'5 wing. Uh, he's got he's got a chance if he puts it all together. He finished with seven points, three rebounds, five steals, and two blocks. But again, Cedar Grove, a good team. I like them. They have a chance to possibly advance to the Final Four again. Just depends on what their their road to the state title looks like. But again, just sometimes they kind of let their foot off the gas pedal and let teams hang around. And you cannot let teams hang around. You got to have that killer instinct once you get into the state tournament. Now, you mentioned you were down late night on Saturday, so I was trying to cover recaps for Saturday night. And as I was scrolling through the Twitter feed, I came across Phenom Hoop Report's tweet. They're launching a new inaugural podcast. If you haven't heard of them, they do a lot of work with rankings up in the Carolinas, a lot of recruiting and ranking stuff. And so part of the quote, I'll read it to you. They said, um, the ranking quote, the rankings do matter. College coaches do read them. On the weeks rankings come out, our phone traffic is tripled daily, end quote. So despite this being a short sentence, Kyle, it's very much so a loaded sentence, and it's a really a tripartite issue, so I'll break it up into the parts for you, and we'll start with their last assertion and kind of relate it back to us, that they said their traffic is tripled on the weeks that rankings come out. For us, it's on the days that rankings come out, and we were looking at the stats earlier, Kyle, and that holds true, right? Oh, yeah, it, it definitely does. If you're looking at my analytics page, it's like a wave. It's like a constant wave you find in the ocean. It's always going to peak on Sunday and Monday, and then you know it, it doesn't go into the trash, but it, it does sink down a little bit, and that's when we, we hit you with the recaps and um, going out for game stories. But definitely the most traffic we see is on Sundays and Mondays when the boys' and girls' rankings come out. There's no denying that. And so to go back into their – I guess we'll work our way backwards directly. The uh, second clause of that first sentence, college coaches do read them. Now, full disclosure, prep hoop – I'm sorry, phenom hoop report. They do some more individual stuff, individual rankings. But what relevance does that really have, that sentence, Kyle, that college coaches do or do not read these things? Yeah, I think they're uh, leaning a little bit more towards player rankings, I would assume. I don't know how much team rankings i mean it's nice to know okay this is a good team maybe we should go see them for a college team but i think more so it's uh the player rankings are talking about uh, a bit of a measuring stick now again sometimes college coaches are pulled in so many directions i know they got their own team to worry about so they got one eye on the present one eye on the future sometimes they're not able to get out and see as much basketball as they should so they're they're oftentimes asking for opinions hey who should we check out but that's also quite dangerous you never want to fall into a a thing we always talk about is the group think don't ever fall into group think at the end of the day it's on you to go out and see these players and find these players and see who you fall in love with. Just because three guys say, this guy's a McDonald's All-American. Oh, we know very well about this. <laughs> and then you ask the the coaches that coach against this kid and all they say, uh, hell no, he's, he's not. But uh, it's just very important to go out there and see these guys on your own. But it does it does help out and just put out names that maybe they don't know about, but uh, the, the local hyper-local scouts, they see these guys enough and say, hey, yeah, he might not be a, a nationally ranked guy, but uh, he could really help your program. So I do see uh, especially player rankings really helping colleges and not necessarily 
um, forcing them to go see somebody, but it does give them a bit of a guiding light to say, hey, there is some talent in this particular area. If you're ever in the state, it might behoove you to stop by and check them out. And so I guess we'll build this up back to the crux. They started with the rankings do matter. I know we discuss this all the time. You know, at the end of the day, you say the rankings don't matter. It's what you do on the court. Rankings don't win you state championships. But in light of, you know, the traffic waves and all that, kind of put that all together, Colin. Give me a take. You know, when you're you're talking about trying to get kids recruited, uh, exposure is very important. The media does play a big role, even though we want to say you got to perform you got to get a little help too. You got to get a little push in the back to say, Hey, let's push you into the spotlight just a bit. Uh, there's been very good players that fly under the radar and just don't get enough coverage. And then they end up signing at a, a small low major, a mid major school and they, they explode and they have great careers. And we just say, well, they just didn't have enough exposure come uh, high school time. And that, that really hurts these, uh, the bigger schools that don't necessarily do their due diligence enough to find these guys. But I think it's all tied hand in hand with the media. I am definitely a guy that is, it's all about production on the court, the media and the rankings. Uh, it's just a measuring stick. It's just to say, okay, where we think they, you know, just try to try to help coaches and players find out, okay, we, we kind of be you right here. I think you're maybe ranked as a number nine player compared to a guy who's the number three player. And that goes in with resumes and all these players. Not everything's created equally, just like the rankings. You got good players in class two a who might not be seeing the competition that a class seven, a player sees. So it's hard to make it a legit science and an exact, uh, it's not written in stone, but it does give you a little bit of an idea of where these players are ranked. So media scouting, uh, performance on the coach. I think it's uh, performance on the court. Pardon me. I think it's all tied in hand in hand at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, I think you make a great point, Kyle, about the role of the media and obviously rankings. You know, some people may not like them, and ultimately you may say that it's production on the court that matters, but its rankings are a, I'd say, fairly easy, fairly quick way to kind of get a lot of teams' exposure that otherwise wouldn't have it. And that's one of the founding reasons why you started Sandy Spiel a few years ago now is to get that exposure to Georgia high school basketball that just wasn't there. That is that is 100% correct, Ramin. Like I always say, anybody can hitch their wagon onto the five-star guy. Everybody knows the five-star player. But what about those guys that are coming from smaller areas that don't get all the love, that aren't on those shoe circuit teams? I mean, the perfect example we always go back to is Ty Fagan at Upson Lee. Nobody knew about him. Wes McCard knew about him when he was writing for the Tomston newspaper down there, and he was one of the first guys that whispered in my ear and say, we might have something special. And even then, okay, we got him here, and he finally garnered that um, garnered that respect that he deserves. And now everyone looking back at it is like, oh, man, how do we miss on this kid for – for so long it's so crazy that now he's going to middle tennessee state why did kennesaw state why did a specific uh, assistant coach ask for his contact information and then never follow up with them and then ask it ask me again for it three months later when he's got offers from georgia and uh you got like georgia tech hot on his tail and he already has middle tennessee state in tow uh why did you not follow up kennesaw state again Okay, what what's the deal? But uh, we'll, we'll leave that. I'll leave the Kennesaw State bashing for another time. But again, Kennesaw State was the first school that I told about 
uh, told them about Ty Fagan, but if you don't, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And that's just one of the things with a, a Ty Fagan and many other players. Uh, they just need a little bit of exposure. Those those guys that are on the fringe of, you know, producing high school, but just because they're not blown up in the media by these big social social outlets and scouting uh, scouting services, they might settle for a D two offer here and there, and they don't have that those low major chances to play at the the, the Division one level. So, especially yes, you're right. That is why we created Sandy Spill, not just to cover the Gwinnett counties or the Cab counties where we know it's a hotbed. How about we trickle down south to a coffee county like I did on Saturday? I know it's four hours out of my way, but there's good basketball. North, south, east, west, middle Georgia. It's all over the place, so somebody has to take the onus to do that and cover the state the way it needs to be covered. We'll move on for the third week in a row, Kyle. We have news to discuss this week. I guess it's now officially confirmed. Manchester, um, they have officially forfeited five games due to playing an ineligible player. That player was academically ineligible. Um, now, we're not sure, at least I'm not sure who that player is, but Kyle, I know you were talking on Twitter quickly. You responded to someone who asks, who asked you how that would affect the rankings. You said they still haven't lost on the court, kind of cryptically, I guess, suggesting that you stand behind their ranking at number one. Do you stand behind that statement now? Well, I was always... Uh, I was a late believer in Manchester, to be honest with you. But once I saw them, they, they handled Central Talbotin. That was the big one versus two showdown. And then they even beat Macon County. So they, they have all the wins on the court. And yes, at the end of the day, they have not lost on the court. So it's kind of like a, even if we it, it's completely different scenarios. But you look at Gainesville, they played a brutal non non uh, region schedule. They started three and six. They haven't lost since. So the win-loss record isn't always the most important determining factor, and especially in this case when they never lost on the scoreboard. They just lost for playing an ineligible player, and I don't know if he's still on the team. I don't know any of the specifics. I'm not too interested in finding out the specifics, but Manchester is undefeated on the court, and uh, it, it's going to hurt them a lot, especially in the power rankings where it matters the most when you're in Class A private and Class A public. That really, really screws Manchester a lot. But uh, uh, you got to make sure everyone's getting the grades. This is uh, it's it's student athlete. It's student comes first. It doesn't matter what it is. You always have to have the grades. And uh, yeah, definitely Manchester. I think they're going to be safe as the number one seed or number one ranked team, at least going into week 12 well i'm going to ask you kyle obviously we don't know who that player is but if that player and i'm not speculating here suggesting anything because i honestly don't know we don't know who it is but if it was a starter if it was someone who should not have been playing and led to manchester getting wins they may not have won those five games had that player been sitting that's true but the beautiful thing about it right now is who do they play tomorrow on Friday? Central Talbotin. So they got a top five showdown. I think Talbotin's back in that top five, um, and it's going to be at Manchester. So whether this potential, maybe he was a starter, maybe he wasn't a starter, whether he's playing or not, it's going to be decided on the court right away. So if Central wants to regain that number one ranking eventually, it all starts with taking care of business on the court against Manchester. So it'll be decided sooner rather than later. 
two points. One, um, I believe I read a news article earlier today that the player, whoever, again, they didn't name them, but that that player has done credit recovery and is now re-eligible to play. And second of all, Kyle, you don't think there should be a punishment for, you know, playing an eligible player in your mind? Well, I think there should be a punishment. Uh, I guess it differentiates, but especially if you're a class A public or private school, the punishment's right there on the record. I mean, if you're going into a, uh, if you're in class 6A or 7A and you play an ineligible player, it's you're going to lose some games, but it's going to be uh, just on your record and you can still find a way to win your region tournament. If you're a, I don't want to put out any specific teams, but if, if you're a team that's leading your region, uh, but you have a couple losses and it might knock you from that number one seed to maybe the number three seed. You can still go out and win your region tournament and no harm, no foul. You still got the number one seed in the state tournament. If you're in class, a private or public, you're relying on those rankings and it's a computer. So it doesn't care what happens. It sees a loss on your record. You're going from Manchester was, uh, I'm assuming they were the number one, uh, seeded team in the power rankings. They probably dropped to maybe five or six now, maybe even lower with now standing there with five losses and three losses in their region. So that hurts them enough. That is uh, enough punishment right now. Uh, but you hate to even see it come to that, but that is good to hear that they're recovering their credits and now he is eligible to play. That's the main thing, but yeah, Manchester, they're going to be docked a lot of spots there in the power rating. So, uh, that hurts them, uh, in a great deal right there. So what I'm hearing from you is they're hurt enough in the power rankings. You don't need to knock them down anymore in your rankings. And also, um, to touch on a point you said earlier, I think for a lot of people, this kind of gives a glimpse into the responsibilities of a head coach of a team. You know, not only do you have to get, and most of the time, especially in you know high school, these guys are teaching classes, they're teachers and whatnot, but also in addition to scheduling games and running practices and running games and doing all that stuff, there's the logistical aspect that people don't see where you have to make sure your kids are getting the grades. You know, you have to make sure they're at, they have attendance. They were in school for half the day or more before game days to make sure they're eligible to play. And this is one of the circumstances we're not pointing fingers, but obviously they recognized the mistake and they rectified that. But that's just one of the things that a lot of people don't see that a head coach has to do every day. Yeah. How many times when I talk to coaches, I say, I just wish I could coach ball. That's all I want to do, but they are just swamped. Like basketball is their their haven. This is a you know their shining beacon. Yes, we finally get on the court. We finally get to practice. We finally get to coach. They have so many responsibilities with the booster club, getting everything set up with the ads, schedules. You mentioned it, checking grades, dealing with parents. We know parents are always a handful. It is it, it, it that's just the way it is. We're never going to all be on the same page, and everything's going to be hunky dory. There's always going to be differing opinions. You can't always make people happy. It's just that's just the summary of it all. Uh, coaches have a ton of responsibilities, fundraising, and you know, at the end of the day, again, one of the phrases that I keep coming up with today: uh, basketball is usually just the last thing on the docket. They have to get so much done before they even think about stepping foot on the court. So, coaches have a ton of responsibilities, and basketball is really the last one uh, that they actually get to partake in. And now we touched on it at the beginning of the podcast: one more week of regular season basketball before we head into region tournaments and. Eight classifications of boys, eight classifications of girls, lots of region tournaments to be played. What is that quick math? 128 region tournaments, I believe, if my math is right off the top of my head. And so what do you think are the most interesting ones, Kyle? You know, a lot of these are 
our, our regions that we've been harping on the entire season. I'll, I'll try and give you a quick rundown, which we know it's not going to be quick. This is spieling and dealing, and I'm going to give you my spiel real quick. Uh, region 6, Class 7A, obviously. Got number 5, Peachtree Ridge, number 6, Mountain View, number 8, Duluth, and then Collins Hill, who fell out of the rankings, but of course, Collins Hill, they beat Duluth 65-53. So the current standings uh, show Peachtree Ridge 8-2, first place, Mountain View 9-3, and Duluth 7-3, and, and Collins Hill 7-4. And, and again, that that reversal of their win against Discovery for Collins Hill, that is so huge. Collins Hill could be sitting at 8-3 right now, but instead they're in that, that four hole, and that, that kind of hurts them. But they've played more games than a couple other of these teams, so we got to see what Duluth does. we got to see what a uh, Peachtree Ridge does coming down the stretch. So Region 6, uh, I think whoever gets the number one seed in that region – out of the regular season, I do not think it is a foregone conclusion that they are going to win, and I would definitely take the field in the region tournament. I think seeds two through whatever have a uh, a better shot at winning that region tournament than whoever grabs a region uh, the the top seed in that region does. Uh, slipping down, let's go to class six A. We have Region 5, which was the juggernaut region last year. We saw Langston Hughes. I think they came out of it as a three seed last year and then went all the way to state. They were the Road Warriors and won the state championship. Things are getting much more interesting now. Langston Hughes, they are ranked uh, number two, I believe. We got the number two. We got Tri-Cities, number three, and Douglas County, number five. But follow the bouncing ball here. Langston Hughes, 15-1. and one. They're 20-5. and five. They got the number one seed locked up. But Landers Nolly just missed a game against South Paulding. And all, all you know, rumors and voices, coaches, everyone's saying he is supposed to be out two to three weeks with knee tendonitis. And I've heard that from multiple sources now. So that throws a big monkey wrench into things. If he is actually truly out for two to three weeks, that makes things very interesting in a very competitive region. And we just said they, they did it last year. They kind of didn't get the job done in the region tournament. They fell to the three seed. But at the, again, at the end of the day, they won the state championship. So let's see if that makes their path to repeating a lot more difficult if Landers is not available to play. And then we just look at Tri-Cities, who's now – my goodness, they've lost two straight games. I don't want to say they're falling apart because they definitely aren't, but tough losses. Uh, they they lost to New Manchester, who's six and seventeen, four and eleven at the you know near that very bottom of Region Five. A very bad loss, seventy six seventy two, and then they lose to Douglas County, sixty nine sixty six. So that drops Tri City seventeen and seven, a very nice record, but nine and six now. You know, just three games above 500 in Region 5. You know, that puts them in a pretty precarious position. They're going to want to finish the regular season strong and get a, you know, a very nice seat. I know they're playing South Paulding today as we record. So if South Paulding can do uh, the quote unquote unthinkable and knock Tri Cities down, and if Tri Cities somehow falls to that five seed, my goodness, that is a, a very late 
uh, mini collapse for Tri-Cities as far as seeding goes. And then Douglas County, 11 and four. They're tied for second place in that, in that region with Alexander, who Alexander 13 and nine, but 11 and four in the region. Alexander's beaten everybody. They beat in Tri-Cities. They beat in Langston Hughes, uh, albeit that uh, Landers was suspended for that game. And they beat in Douglas County. So Alexander, a major rebuilding year. Coach Jason Slate has job over there a 13 and 9 record but 11 and 4 where it matters most in the region uh they are in a, a very good position even though they suffered a recent loss um but they're in a great position and then looking at douglas county they're tied for that two seed 11 and 4 but they came back from down about 19 points to creekside who's 6 and 19 who's lost four straight games who's 3 and 13 Douglas County had to rally from down 19 points to come back and win 59-57. So if that doesn't tell you just how competitive Region 5 is, uh, that should give you a good idea. And Mays, who's 8-7 and seven in the region, 12-11 and 11 overall, um, they've been playing everybody close. They lost to Langston Hughes by about two points recently, and they've been pushing everybody to the brink, even though they don't have the great record to show for it. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds with these uh, last couple games uh, but uh, that region tournament is going to be outstanding to follow. Langston Hughes definitely with the target on their back, but if Landers is not healthy, it's going to shake things up a bit. Uh, then, of course, Region 5, easy region to talk about. Uh, Miller Grove, who's ranked uh, number three. Then outside of them, uh, Columbia is surging. They were the only team to beat Miller Grove this year, 60-58 to 58 in the region. They're ranked number four. Lithonia number seven, but they just got smacked down by uh, – what was it? 20 points, 59 to 39 by Columbia. And then Southwest the cap who fell out of the rankings, but remains very dangerous. So Miller Grove, they keep, they keep finding a way to win these games. Again, they rallied against Lithonia 60 to 57 just this week. And then last week, I think it was last week, uh, or maybe earlier this week, 35, 34 in an ugly game against Southwest cap. So Miller Grove 10 and one in the region, second place, is split between Columbia and Southwest's cab, both sitting there at seven and four. And then Lithonia, I don't know if this is correct or not. They might have a couple makeup games to take care of. They're at five and four. So it's a real log jam at the top, but Miller Grove has really handled their business. And then just a, a quick, you know, we're not going to go as in depth, but region one in class four, a that Columbus region, number three, America Sumter, number six, Westover, number nine, Carver, Columbus. Those are some teams that, if you want to pick a dark horse to maybe give Ups and Lee a, a run for their money in Class 4A, uh, those could be some teams. America Sumter has some athletes. They got, um, what's his name, Josh Luzan. I think he's about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, junior, who's a, a very good player. They got some good guard play, and Eric Hull, I believe his name is. And then Westover, you got Chris Gardner. You got Jordan Snow Brown, uh, Cameron Weston. You got Mike Isler inside. They got some pieces as well. But Northside, sitting there in that number four hole, they've beaten pretty much everybody in that region. So don't sleep on Northside, even though Carver just cracked him by about 40 points. Uh, Northside Patriots, another team to keep an eye on to come out of Region 1. And then we'll, we'll finish up here with two more regions. Region 8, easy to talk about. Elbert County, they got the number one seed. Banks, number 10 in the state. Elbert's number eight in the state. But Monticello who hasn't necessarily played up their potential. They've been coming on strong with Tyron Lawrence's brother. has been filling up the points to go along with Ashton Bonner, who I love, and Malik Crawford, who is a feast or famine, but he is a physical 6'6", 
uh, specimen inside for Monticello. And on the girls' side, we just saw number two Banks County get smacked down by number three Putnam after Banks beat them 61 to 40. Putnam defended their home court to make things very interesting as far as seeding goes. They beat them 44 to 25, and then you can't can't count out D.D. Dillard and number 10 Raven County. They are the defending uh, runners up in Class 2A. They're going to be a handful as well. And lastly, the final region we'll mention real quick, Region 3 in Class 2A. Again, I love Class 2A basketball. Number 7, Waco. Number 9, Dodge County. And East Lawrence, who hasn't been ranked on the girls' side yet, but they give Waco and Dodge County problems. They beat both those teams. I'm pretty sure East Lawrence actually swept uh, Dodge County this year. So three teams really good out of Region 3 in Class 2A. Kyle, it's been a pleasure. I think we covered a lot of great stuff on the podcast. And obviously next week, I think you will not want to miss next week's podcast. We will go. We will do one of our deep dives like we did last year, looking into the region tournaments. We'll probably end up going region by region, if not every region, close to it, looking at all the region tournament brackets and what we think is going to happen. Predictions, as always, we thank you for joining us. We have some events coming up. Follow us on social media. Check the website. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. And, yes, I'll jump in real quick. Uh, If you have any region tournament brackets, once they're filled out with all the seeds and teams, I know we're coming to that time. Please, 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 boys and girls, send those over to kylesandy355 at gmail.com. I need your region brackets. I need your region tournaments because I will be posting those and updating those live throughout uh, region tournament play. I know college coaches love this stuff, so please help me help them, and I'll help you in the process. We'll all help each other. We need that. Also, please send in your all-region performers, all your accolades as well. And also, don't forget, coming back, February Frenzy. It is going to be sponsored by Sportal Space, the GHSA Bracket Challenge. I think we are working on getting this all online so you don't have the hassle of printing out a bracket and sending a picture we might be able to construct it a way in which we can pick out all our teams online like you see on an espn uh bracket tournament challenge so hopefully we will have all that ready for you so please send in all your brackets and for ramin forgani this is kyle sandy the closer this week we will talk to you soon